Welcome to Brown AF, Brown, Ambitious, and Free. My name is Niha Winova, your host for the transformation of a lifetime. So the explosive success that you want is not only attainable, but it's much less stressful on you. I'm gonna give you the tips, tools, and get you into CEO thinking so that women and people of color just like you work smarter and get way ahead. This is legacy leadership and it's unlike anything you've been taught before. So tune in and listen up. Let's go. Welcome to this week's episode of Brown AF. Excited to have you here. Today, I want to talk about something that I think is very important to many of us who were raised children of immigrants at a time when there weren't a lot of us here in the United States and, you know, in the Western world at a time when we were the only ones, we were pioneers, we looked different, we ate different foods, we had a different culture, and it was all relatively unknown. We were trekking in a space that nobody had before. We didn't have people that were here before us, generations before us, that were leading the way or telling us what to do, mentoring us, advising us. It wasn't hip or cool or popular to be brown then, to be Indian then, to be different like it is today, where we have so many restaurants that are international and serving popular ethnic foods. And we see a lot of representation now on popular television shows. And it's positive. It's not a big joke or satire like it was when I was growing up. So there really are some unhealed past experiences that I want to talk about today. And I want to talk about how it shows up in a way that we may not be recognizing and that holds us back and hinders us. And I don't want us to be flying without a compass on this. I want us to have tools and resources and a common vernacular and a platform to come together and talk about this so that we can fortify ourselves, fortify our past, fortify our relationship with ourselves, so we can move forward with more success, more wealth, more power, more influence, more ability to shape the future of this country and the policies of this country and be at the helm of that. And I really want to also talk about how these past experiences that are painful, that we don't maybe recognize the connection, how they show up in everyday behaviors that make us feel like our own success is really, really hard. And so I'm talking about experiences like having a weird name that no one can pronounce and going through that dreaded you know, Ferris Bueller roll call on the first day of school or on the first day anywhere. I remember being in kindergarten and my teacher couldn't say my name, but she recognized my last name. And my brother was such a great student. And she just called me by my older brother's name. She was just like, oh, and the little sister of my brother. And I was like, okay, well, he's pretty cool. He's pretty baller. So I don't mind that. But that started to be one of the first things that shaped my identity was that I was the little sister of this really successful, smart guy 
That was one of the first entrances into people recognizing my name or not saying my name. And then how it was for us to show up into the world at school, into the community in one way inside of the house and another way outside of the house. So for many people of South Asian descent, we had very particular expectations and norms for who we were to be, how we were to behave, how we were to speak to our parents, the respect and the rules that we had in our community for our elders, for our culture. And, you know, the real weight and the responsibility of all of that. And we really, I will say, you know, I will applaud my generation. We really rose to the occasion. We were a group of people that really did understand the sacrifices that our parents made. We valued their contribution. We valued what they were trying to teach us. Now, it still came with burdens, but we did honor and respect that. There was a deep sense of wanting to please our parents and gain their trust and respect, but that also showed up in other ways where we continued And we continue to seek approval outside from elders, from people that are influential in the field that we're in. And we want to understand all of that. So we're going to deep dive into that today. And the other thing is we constantly heard, whether it was from our own internal influences in our homes or in the culture, about how we had to really work hard harder than anybody else to establish ourselves, to really gain prominence and security in this culture. So that means, you know, we stayed up really, really late. We studied hard and we sacrificed a lot of things that other kids did. We weren't really encouraged or permitted to go to as many social events or sporting events or parties because we had to work really hard inside our homes and in our academic pursuits. And we still feel that need and that pressure to perform, to be really perfect and to never make a mistake really in front of others, socially or professionally. And that also influences how we show up right now. And we might be erroneously going through the world thinking that these are just our personality characteristics, that this is just who we are right now. And I want us all to understand that these are not personality characteristics. These are in some ways, especially when they show up in ways that don't serve us and that feel heavy and burdensome, these are coping mechanisms. And they're widely unknown or understudied because we are the first generation in the United States to have done any of this. We paved the way. We are the pioneers. We are the trailblazers. We were the first people to do what we have done, and we did it on our own. Nobody else looked like us when we were kids. We didn't have anybody else to model after or to give us advice or mentorship like there is today. And that's beautiful that we have that today and moving forward, we can release the burden on the generations and our children that come after us. But I really want us to honor 
understand, celebrate, and applaud how difficult it was for us to get where we are today. I was having a conversation with a very close friend this morning, and we were talking about the life experiences that we go through to get to the path that we are right now. And for many of us, we had to figure it out all on our own. We were like little mini astronauts, little mini adults figuring everything out on our own. And, you know, like I said, there wasn't the cultural popularity that there is now. You know, we had to write aerograms to send messages to our grandparents. We saw them really infrequently. We had to travel a really long time to see them and spend our summers in India, which meant that we didn't do things here in the States. So I remember I would come back and there would be a whole chunk of popular culture I would miss out on. But that's okay because I was really immersed in my ancestral culture and learning from my grandparents and spending time with them. But all of that was really isolating, right? When you're at home in India with your grandparents, you're isolated from your life back at home that's moving on without you. And then when you are back, you are away from all the people that look like you, your traditions, your philosophies, and it really was isolating. And so oftentimes we learned to compartmentalize aspects of our life. We were just trying to get by. Our parents were just trying to get by. And it just was like an extreme luxury to try to even investigate or uncover who we were inside ourselves which many of us still don't even know because we've been so busy establishing our credentials and our education, one thing after another, one thing after another, that we have never really investigated those things. Who were we at school? Who were we in our Indian community? And as we grew, we made sure that we presented only what was acceptable because that was the only thing that was safe. So over time, literally, there is a lack of integration, a lack of understanding all of these experiences, including any painful experiences, the trauma that we had, because we were so different and it didn't always feel safe. So now when we might feel threatened or scared to speak up to our boss, or to a coworker or a particularly disrespectful or dominating coworker it's not a personality thing that we don't want to do it or that we put it off for a really really long time and it may feel like things are escalating and snowballing it's a safety thing we have not learned how to create self protection so we're in a constant state of self preservation that took root a long, long time ago. And when we understand this, we start to become more powerful in our own capability to create safety and security in ourselves. And when we do it in ourselves, we can help others do it better within themselves. And then in our own right and with our team and with our families and with the people we're working with in partnership, We can all access better solutions, more effective ways of communicating and resolving issues. 
we're able to finally bring more compassion into a situation when right now it's opaque, it's misunderstood, maybe we're even disconnected. And so when we don't understand what's at play, it's difficult to do certain things. It's difficult to bounce back. So we might often internalize this and only ever feel like we have two options when we're faced with upsetting situations. We might think, well, I'm only going to explode or overreact, which I don't want to do, and that's going to have detrimental consequences. So I'll probably just withdraw and be quiet instead. Or I'm going to suppress this for a really long time, keep it inside, not address it, hope that things will just go away, which then just creates like a beach ball under the water. And at some point, it's going to come to the surface. And we don't know when. But until then, it's angst. It's anger. It's resentment. And what happens then is we tend to create a situation where we just don't trust ourselves to behave in a way that we want, to behave in a way that we may admire in other people, that we want to emulate. It seems easy for other people. And sometimes it's because it is easier for other people. And I want you to hear that today. So for me, one of the things that has come up and I've been really thinking about this year in my own evolution and where it's really relevant in my life on my path to discovery and success is going all the way back to the beginning, you know, where I was born and raised. I was born in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and then we moved to Cincinnati, Ohio. I grew up in a really joyful, loving family a very simple family, and we were always encouraged to have a lot of fun, a lot of jokes, karaoke, games with my brothers, uh, watching Amitabh Bachchan movies that we just adored and recreated all the fight scenes and all the dance scenes with a mix of listening to MTV, and we were huge fans of Michael Jackson. These really, really colorful, beautiful childhood experiences. But also, it was a very different time in America. Indians had not been in this country very long. My father and mother and the generations of that time were the very, very first to come here in the 60s and 70s. And it was filled with uncertainty for us. And it was scary. And we felt it in our bodies. We didn't know or understand this culture. We were foreigners. And we were often treated like that. And what is for sure is that we weren't integrated into this culture then. We weren't always welcome. We were made fun of. Our names were different. We had to work to establish ourselves, to establish the name and reputation that we enjoy now in literally just one generation, my generation and our parents who set the stage for us. We are now one of the most powerful and most educated, most successful groups in the history of America. And sure, that is to be applauded. But I want to recognize that we came here because of our education. We were only able to do what we were able to do because we were allowed to come here for economic purposes to help grow this country and the prosperity of this country, and we did. 
we had education and we had privilege to a certain degree already. It was different then, and there were many things working in our favor at that time. I'm really grateful, and I have a deep understanding and awareness of this because I am a student of history and politics, and I know that it was different for our particular subset. And even though we had our benefits, we had our challenges too. I remember feeling and experiencing institutional racism, societal racism, and levels of prejudice and bifurcation even within our own Indian community and our subset of communities. We were not insulated from that. I remember feeling really safe and secure in my own home and really safe on this beautiful little street that was like the wonder years that we grew up on as a child where we all played kick the can and football together. But whenever I got too far away from my parents, too far away from my home and my brothers, I felt unsafe. It was this generalized feeling of hatred directed towards me and my family. And it made me very unsettled and uncertain. It was directed towards us for how we looked, for my parents' accents, how we dress. We literally stuck out wherever we went. And when you are an Indian female, assimilating is not really an option for you. Because there's so much expectation and pressure for Indian females in particular to stay very Indian, to hold on to our culture and to represent the culture and take it forward for generations afterwards. And so we're taught to be really sweet, to be successful and and to go out there and get a great education. But we are also taught to be pleasant, to be people pleasers. And we really want to please our parents, respect our parents and our elders, and we continue to do that. But sometimes we are expected to do more than what's possible. We have the expectation to not sell out, not change our names, to not try to be whiter than we are. So the expectation is to be really Indian inside of the home, but then be really successful somehow outside of the home without losing yourself, but with no roadmap or playbook. And so we've been doing this our whole lives. We still do it. We're trying to be perfect and people please as an innate part of who we are. We put other people first, other people's happiness first, and we don't always know how to prioritize what we need and how to prioritize ourselves. So this concept of full integration, prioritizing our needs, knowing what we desire is tricky. And many of us are still coming to terms with it. And for women of South Asian descent in the workplace, we have our own behaviors that are not just a personality trait that we're working through. And it makes total sense that you feel undervalued, unheard, and unable to break into the inner circle and develop a strong network and strong allies. And these things 
impact our success and our leadership. It impacts what we believe we can accomplish. And what we believe we can accomplish is the source energy and the inspiration for what we do accomplish. So it's kind of a big deal. If we don't feel we can achieve it, if we don't feel we can do it, we won't go for it. We sit out, we stay on the sidelines. When we feel unheard and undervalued, we constantly wonder, what is wrong with me? Why can't I do it? And I want you to take away from today's episode, the answer is never that something is wrong with you. There is definitely something wrong with the system and with the way things have been for generations and for centuries. So I want you to stop asking the question subliminally or unconsciously to yourself, what's wrong with me? And I want you to start asking a more powerful question of what needs to be fixed and healed systematically and inside of me so we can come together and create healthier success. I can create a healthier self-concept for myself and then as a leader, influence a healthier organization and a thriving community so that you really can heal and honor your past and be that type of leader, a healthier, strong woman who leads healthier businesses. So here are some things that we want to think about that will help us understand the situation in a clearer light and more deeply. Number one, what was a scary or painful event or experience in your life that made you feel like you were not welcome, safe, or accepted? And have you spent any time healing this or really understanding that part of you? Or is it something that you just look away from or suppress? And the last thing I want you to ask is, how does that experience show up in how you act now? When your boss or a colleague says something you don't like or that you find disrespectful to you, how might it show up when you're cut off in a meeting mid-sentence? Or, I know this happens to me, when I am completely ignored after I speak up or nobody responds and it's crickets. How might those past experiences not just be a personality trait in you, but a coping mechanism for how you show up now, how you might stay silent, how you might withdraw, how you might perseverate. For people that have not felt like they belong, when they feel like outsiders, it is not just sweat off their back. It's not easy to stick your neck out, to say something, or to complain. For people who always feel like they had to work hard to fit in or be under the radar to feel safe, this can be an obstacle when you're trying to get to the next level, when you're establishing your effectiveness, you're establishing your leadership brand and your voice. So I want this episode to serve as a touch point to remind you that there is nothing wrong with you as a person. It just requires that you develop a specific set of skills and practice them. You absolutely have what it takes to succeed inside of you right now, to lead 
and be very, very wealthy and authoritative in what you do. It just requires you to, number one, create internal safety in the face of conflict, confrontation, or calling something out when you know it's essential to success. And number two, managing the fear that you might have, the feeling that you might vomit, or the sensation of hot blood rushing to your face when you're angry, and knowing how to create stability and homeostasis in your body at that precise time so you can move forward in a way that you want to intentionally and create a new pattern of behavior, a new pattern of pushing back in a way that serves you. And I really want you to integrate all parts of you, the painful, shameful, embarrassing experiences that you don't think about anymore, but that show up in behaviors and in coping mechanisms. And for you really to be thinking about that there was conditioning to be one thing in the house and something else outside of your house, which required you to be something else and have coping mechanisms. And I want you now to have compassion for that as you move forward. So this episode is really about thinking about integrating all that you have been through, all of your experiences into who you are as an expert, as a leader, as a very, very successful person. And so don't skip over the questions that we talked about here today. Investigate it a little bit so that you can integrate it. I would love to hear from you, hear how this path and this journey is going for you. So drop us a message. And between now and next week, I hope you feel more strong and more empowered to show up fully as who you are and integrate all those experiences into your success, because that is what we need, a fully healed and integrated person who is feeling strong and fortified on their move forward. That's what I have for you today. We look forward to you joining us next week. Until then, go out there and be brown, ambitious, and fortified AF. See you next time. Thank you for joining us and listening to our podcast. We invite everybody who believes in inclusive success to join the mission here at Brown, Ambitious, and Free. This is for you to be more of who you are and succeed with simple tools and unlearn things that don't support your success. Please subscribe and share this podcast with other supporters and ambitious change makers and visionaries who want to be a part of this important movement to change the face of leadership and wild success. Check out our website to learn all the different ways to connect with me and work with me. You can work with me as a private coaching client one-on-one by booking a consultation call at www.nihacoaching.com. That's N like Nancy, I India, H Harry, A Apple, coaching.com. I also work with leadership teams and organizations to supercharge the leadership and execution and build a culture of success. Send us a message and book a call. Finally, would you like me to speak at your organization or association? 
that's easy to do. Reach out to us and schedule a masterclass or workshop. Come back every week for important discussions that will revolutionize the way you think, create, and perform to get greater and greater success. I will show you how to use a proven methodology that takes out the guesswork and adds to your success. Join us here each week and spread the message. We will see you soon.